today, very first episode where we have uh, politicking with New Shine. Um, maybe we're shining the light when we're doing something. It's <laughs> Have a lot of fun today. My name is Kurt Faustin. I'm here at New Shine Studio, our first podcast episode where we're just going to talk about everything in life, whether it's the community work, what's going on in the world, what's going on in music, sports, you name it, more than likely we're going to talk about it. But the whole thing is, is this though. We we have a we have a real claim. We have a motto, we have a goal. The goal is this, is that we're living in a very, very stressful state right now. Mental health is an issue. Emotional wellness is an issue. Wellness in general is an issue specifically for black and brown people. So our goal is how we can minimize stress so you can achieve success. How we can help lower your stress levels emotionally so you can identify exactly where you need to get to because you're going to get these goals, this success, everything that you need in life. So that's about it. And it was funny because all this came together in a matter of days. <laughs> uh, I think what you called me, what was it last week, right? Last week or this week? Yeah, we called you, uh, what was it, last week just to make sure that we could get it because we know that you was the perfect guy. Yeah, I think it was Friday. Friday, was so, something like today's Wednesday. Yeah, it, it happened in a matter of days where I got the phone call from Alton, from Jeff. They both hit me up saying, um, let's put this together, and we, we made it happen. It's about entrepreneurship. It's about success. So I'm really happy about this, really happy about this. And more, yeah, well, more particularly, it was like so good for, uh, for us to get you and Russell here because there's so many things going on in our community, and we want to shine light onto it. It's kind of, yeah. you know, it's so important. Yeah. So to kick it all off for you, Kurt, let's, let's hit you with some did you knows. Hit, hit me up with one. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> did you know? No, did you know? So let's hit you with a lighthearted one. All right, guys, lighthearted one. So the first thing, the NBA starts uh, next month, July 31st. Did uh -huh. you know that? Yeah, I'm a, huge Celtics, I'm a huge Celtics fan, but I haven't been paying attention lately. But go ahead. I'm not a Celtics fan. I'm a LeBron fan, where, but hey. Where are you from? I'm from Boston. <laughs> I know you are. And you're not a what? <laughs> Come on. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Oh, I'm sorry. But let's hit it down with you. So they start July 31st at Walt Disney World Facilities in Orlando. Yeah. And a lot of players are opting out. So we have Kyrie Irving, yeah. Avery Bradley, Dwight Howard, some yeah. of the biggest prolific figures. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, it's interesting because we already know they're in a union, so... Even though they want to opt out, I don't know if they actually have a choice if the union already agreed to it, right? If the union agreed to it, more than likely they're going there. But also, I did hear individuals say this could be a great distraction in ways, by entertainment value from what's going on in the world. But I also heard other players saying they don't want to distract from the importance that's going on in the world. So it's a catch-22. I see it both ways. For sure, for what sure. What do you think? Honestly, my thoughts are 
it's I see how it takes away, you know, if we think about the beginning of sports. Yeah. We think about gladiators throughout Rome, right? Yeah. The whole the whole <laughs> the whole beginning of sports is for the distraction. Yeah. So people go crazy when they have their sports. <laughs> That's you know? right. So um <laughs> let's move on. The next thing is there are starting to wear rings on people's fingers. No, who is wearing the rings? That's a so, real question. So basically, Aura Health confirmed that they're providing a smart ring called the Aura Smart Ring. I hope I'm saying this right. Yeah. Um, and basically, this ring is able to uh, look at the user's temperature and respiratory rate, estimating yeah. their, and their resting heart rate, and to see the variability of it, to see if they have symptoms of COVID. Yeah. But who are they giving the rings to? All the NBA players. What about the essential workers? So they are moving through that. So basically their claim is let's use this opportunity to test it on the NBA players and then provide it to essential workers. It's called capitalism. It's <laughs> all about money. That's all this is about, man. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Yeah, you're right about that. You're right about that. So the last one Go ahead. that I got for you. So if anybody's from Boston... A lot of fireworks has been going off. And personally, <laughs> personally, I had no idea why this was happening. But then I realized it's because of, um, because of the, the, the protesting and rioting yeah. that's been going on. The, the, unkill, the unjust killing of black men. Yep. So this is happening and every women. night. Uh, and women, and my apologies. Women. The systematic oppression. So this is happening every single night, all night. In light of these, um, in light of these events, yeah. thoughts. My thoughts are they need to buy better fireworks first and foremost. It, they sound like little tutus, like pat paps, and they don't even got the flares to it. That's the that's the issue. That is exactly the issue. So the other night, I'm with my son, sleeping. I promise you, I woke up thinking someone broke into my house, and my son was scared, crying. Like, ah! And I jumped up. We all like I was running around figuring out what's going on because you me waking up at two o'clock in the morning. The little pat paps, at least get the flares to it. At least let it sparkle in the air. They don't even got the right fireworks. I think they should start a GoFundMe account to get better fireworks. <laughs> but we're here with a special guest, our very first guest. Um, obviously, Jeff ruined that a little earlier, but we're excited to have Russell E. Holmes as our first guest. Can, can, can we clap it up? A state representative of the sixth. Suffolk District, which is for Roxbury, Dorchester, Mattapan, and Jamaica Plain. You've been in this business for 10 whole years, elected in November yep. of 2010. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Uh, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling you're wrong on the fireworks. I'm wrong on the... We're already getting into it. Yes. Okay. I'm wrong. You, you think the fireworks sounds expensive or cheap? Oh, they, I know you say you live down the street, but I live here in Mattapan too. And the fireworks I'm hearing sound like bombs going off. They're and awful. Yeah, they are absolutely awful. And I can tell you, you clearly don't live near American Legion Highway. Because <laughs> I if live you, off Truman. Because if you live near American Legion Highway, rest assured, you would have the boom boxes with the guys pulling up with their vans, <laughs> yeah. loading up the music, and then you would have also just fireworks going off left and right. So between American Legion and Talbot, the fireworks in my neighborhood are just out of control. And I'm, I'm with you. They go off. All times of day and night, all the way until 5 oh. o'clock in the morning. So what's your, I mean, since you brought it up, yep. you, since we're already going into it, so what do, you, what do you do in those scenarios? You have individuals that want to professionally or properly demonstrate, right? They no. want to protest in ways. No. 
No. Nope. I don't believe that's it as well. I think. Go ahead. I think we have given them some money. Yep. And we've given them some time. Uh-huh. So they're not going to work the next day, and when they have plenty of stimulus money or this PUA money, they're getting an extra 600 bucks plus what they were getting for unemployment, and I think they're using their money incorrectly. You think that they're using the money incorrectly? Yes, indeed. Uh, but you don't think this is almost symbolic in ways or the disruption? Think of it like this, right? And mind you, I haven't done the fireworks, yeah, yeah. but they feel as though... Yeah. Some of them may feel as though let's disrupt the neighborhood, disrupt the peace because we feel the neighborhood I live in. So, Absolutely. So, so let me tell you the best thing, not the best, because there's nothing I should say about looting anyway. But let me just say the wise thing was that finally black people decided that instead of burning down our own neighborhoods, mm-hmm. we have a little walk over to Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. So you think about what happens when you take those same folks and they show up to Rodeo Drive. Yeah. So if you're going to loot something, if you want to really have an impact, why are you burning down my neighborhood? Absolutely. Why, why are you disrupting my neighborhood? Uh-huh. If you're going to have a problem and you want to really protest, go to someone else's neighborhood and protest. And so I think about what's happened all up and down Blue Hill Ave during the 60s. We still are trying to recover. You burned down my buildings. You burned down my shops. Shops never came back. And yep. we still have not recovered. And it's 50 years later. So let's be wise. Let's be smart about what we're doing. And I understand the anger. Yep. But you can definitely use that anger in a more productive way than disrupting the seniors in our neighborhoods, disrupting the few of us who are still going to work, and disrupting the families that truly are being disrupted all night long. So... We're going, to get it, we're going to get into your background. Okay. Going to get into your background growing up in Mississippi and Mattapan, and sure. how, does it, how did it bring you to where you are right sure. now, which we can all appreciate. But quick question, in your position, would it, be, would it be right for us to provide a platform in ways for them to properly demonstrate them or properly protest? Because if they don't feel as though, if someone doesn't feel as though they're given an opportunity or a platform for their voices to be heard, or they feel as though when they are speaking, it's met with oppression in some way, shapes, or form, now they're taking into their own hands. Mind you, I don't agree with the fireworks because they're, like I said, it's a disrupt. It's been dis- so. It's so been when a you disruption. say in my position, let me say this. Yes, it is an honor to represent the neighborhood I grew up in, and I have it's become clear to me that all of these activists don't even invite me to their protests. Mm. And part of it, I think, is because they very much want to be the star of the show. I don't think this new generation respects the other generations. It's like, move out the way. We have our own voice. Our voice should be louder than yours. And so they have an open platform. You guys do everything you want to do. You can go march downtown. You can go loot downtown. You can go on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, WhatsApp, you do all of these different things that yeah. the sky's the limit. Yep. So you have the sky being the limit to you. Why do you now need to come to us who you're not listening to and, and disrespecting our neighborhoods, the, one, the neighborhood we've been fighting for for generations? We have never fought for us to be up all night long. So I think mm. you have plenty of avenues. And um, our problem is uh, we have a community that loves many of these young folks and don't want to arrest them. Literally, we are having conversations in community meetings saying, how do we solve this? We don't want to have the police come and arrest anyone. Yeah. And we still want you to have this freedom, but we think it's very disruptive to all of us. And so I can tell you, meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting that I go to, even if they all are on uh, FaceTime or on Zoom, 
That is the number one issue I'm hearing. Fireworks. Fireworks. Okay. Quality of life. So with that being said, because I thought you brought up a great point, is the separation between the generations. You have the younger, you have the older, and the individuals who may have the platform right now are not inviting the older generation or individuals who are in your position to the conversation to help almost find a solution to a lot of the problems we're having. So literally, I have to sit back and watch you guys' press conferences, watch your FaceTimes, my staff sends me things, so that I can make sure that I'm hearing and representing people and representing the folks. And so it's just interesting to me that you show up at the state house and don't call me to say you're coming to the state house. Yeah, I like get what you mean. If you coordinated that I'm you're coming to my building, yeah. I can tell you the right day to come. Like when people show up at the state house and they say, Well, the state house is closed, well, why wouldn't you call your state rep and say, Hey, I'm gonna be there at a certain day at a certain time? How do we coordinate an inside outside game? So with that being said. What's your thoughts on the BLM organization or youth organizations or potentially bringing them to the table to have these level of conversations? So I can tell you, um, Tito Jackson is a very good friend of mine. Obviously, he knows Monica Cannon. They're very good friends as well. And I've talked to Tito multiple times to just say, Tito, continue to just be the conduit. I'm not going to try to ever upstage anyone as she's organizing all the Black Lives Matter uh, activities, so much of it here in the city. She has a great relationship with many of those folks in the organization. I've actually had tried to attempt to have Black Lives Matter at the Mattapan Library, and they kicked me out of the meeting. They kicked the police out because I brought the police because I thought initially, this was years ago, that it was a conversation about how do we come to some solution. And the solution for Black Lives Matter at the time was we don't want the police. And so we're trying to, you know, so this defund the police conversation isn't a new one. And so bring me into any, any conversation, I'm going to be supportive. So overall, though, are you like... Black Lives Matter sign is in my front yard. Okay. Uh, you let that be known. I, I like that. <laughs> I like that. You let that be known. So, for example, Monica did a great job. I think, what was it, last month she got... Was it last month she got like 55000 right there in Franklin Park? Well, that's what she said she got. I'm not sure what the number was, but I'm just simply saying, if you can rally that many people together, yep. listen to me again, please. Of course. No, I'm saying to her and anyone oh, else. Oh, listen. If, okay. if, if you're going to get that many people together, make sure there is a census booth right there to make sure all these folks do their census. Make sure there's a voter registration booth right there. Our power comes in not just in organizing and coming and giving speeches, it also comes and let's make sure we mobilize at that moment to do the things that we know we're going to need in the future. So there's just some simple things that I would like to just to be incorporated, but okay. I won't, that won't matter unless I'm asked. And I try my share my opinion only when I'm asked. Okay, 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 okay. This, this is interesting. I, I, I'm, I've personally seen her. I've personally seen her multiple times do some some amazing work in the community. But I see what you're basically challenging, saying could we add something that will push the conversation a little bit forward. I'm ways. just simply saying that we in the legislature make decisions for all 6.8 million people in this commonwealth. We just voted today that Juneteenth will now be a holiday in Massachusetts. Okay. We just voted today on $4 billion. You know, you think about what we're trying to change, wouldn't you want to make sure you are very well coordinated with us? And so we have a, we have a group now that from Ayana to the city council to the state reps to all of the, city, the, the count, county folks, yeah. we're together every week on a Friday. That's we talk every week to all of the elected of color. And let's just try to be more coordinated, I guess is all I'm saying. I love her work. Uh, so question for you and bills. I yep. know you passed some important bills. 
Not past yet, the ones that are most important, but yes. <laughs> so can you talk about a little bit about your history with the, what are some of the important bills you're working on right now? Yep. Um, and what are some of the bills that you're looking at to almost work through the systematic racism that a lot of people are dealing with? Sure. So um, as, as mentioned, we have been trying to be coordinated, or we've been being coordinated as a group, the elected of color across the state. So obviously we only have one person of color elected at the federal level, and that's Ayanna. Mm -hmm. And then we have a number of us, 14 of us elected at the state level in this uh, House and the Senate. And then we have a much larger group at, at the city level. And so we came up with a 10-point plan. And some of the bills that we thought were most important at, this, at the state level was something called Police Officer Standard and Training. It is a bill that says if you are a police officer, then you should be able to go get your certification. And we should be able to also yank your license if you do something inappropriate. So to this topic that we're talking about, if you do something that is inappropriate, beat up on your wife, let's say, mm -hmm. then you should no longer keep your license. Today, there is no way for us to go on our phones and search your background. We very often people say, well, what's your badge number? No, forget yeah. that. I want to be able to know your badge number, be able to search you up and say, what trainings do you have? Are you certified? Because police officers, even though they all look the same, they are not the same. Yeah. There is a, a Boston police officer has hundreds, 800 or 900 hours worth of training to get to be a Boston police officer. Some of these small town part-time police officers may have 200 hours of training, 400 hours of training. That's not the same police officer. Yeah, I get what you But mean. he shows up with a badge and a gun and mostly white. Mm -hmm. And so you look the same to me, but you really are not the same because if you don't get that more training, rest assured, I, I know you don't have competency around different ethnic groups. Rest assured, I know you don't have de-escalation because the basic training you're getting is about how to shoot your gun and how to just do the law. No, I want someone with a certain level of training. So is it just the training? Because I, I'm, I'm just uh, respectfully challenging. No, how, about the, how about the hiring practices? Oh, you're, so my <laughs> next bill... Of the 10, it's something called civil service. So what happens today, so you have, so of our 10, yep. number, I think number one for us is to be able to decertify. We're only one of four states that do not decertify and take licenses or certifications from police officers. Um, the next one I think of equal priority for me, and I've been working on it for a long time, is called civil service. Okay. And what, what happens here, we have a civil service community, our police, our fires, EMTs, and the like, take an exam. And from that exam, you're then able to be hired. But somewhere in this, in this process, the veterans have gamed the system. What do I mean? A hundred years ago or so, of course, if someone came back disabled from World War I or II, we wanted to make sure that we took care of them. Well, unbeknownst to us, 100 years later, these would be the highest paid people we would ever be hiring in our civil service. And they have made sure that almost all of them are returning veterans. And then they are, like with fire, they are disabled veterans. And how is it that you go with the hardest job you can possibly have and be a fireman and be disabled? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't. And so, we, as you may have seen just recently, you had hundreds, I meant you had Folks making hundreds of thousands of dollars as officers, three of $250,000. Yep. We have hundreds of people making more than the mayor of this city yeah. that are police and fire. I think it was and like nine or ten or something. That's like right. That. And all of them, most of them, are white. Yep. Unacceptable. So we need to have a reform about how we as people of color can be able to be a police officer and fireman in our own neighborhoods. So do you agree with the idea of defunding the police? No. You don't? Do not. So just before, just before, hold on, I had to pull up the statistics, right? I had to pull up the statistics. I think we, we talked. So right now, according to the budget, sure. I believe, if, sure. correct, me if, correct me if I'm wrong, according to the budget, Boston's, Boston's budget breakdown, yep. 
which is a $3.65 billion budget. Sure. Right? From some of the numbers that shows the police... This is Julia's numbers you're giving me, right? Yes, correct. Okay, sure. Yep. Um, It's showing that the police are on... The police budget is over $400 million. Sure. Over $414 million. And certain things like arts arts and cultures has a $2 million budget or the neighborhood services have a $3.8 million budget. Youth engagement and employment, it's $7.8 million budget. So you don't believe the idea. I know there's certain statistics and reports that show this generation is the most policed, over-policed in general. We're just quote-unquote over-policed. So you don't necessarily agree that we should defund the police in any way, shape, or form. So... You asked the question, do I believe in defunding the police? Yes. I, what I believe is that a person who has a mental health problem should not have a police show up at their door. And so I can tell you I'm, I'm a landlord, and I've okay. made a phone call very often when I've had problems in my household that I knew I did not need a person to show up with a gun and a badge. I needed a different resource. Social and worker, for example. A social worker, the, what we call the best team, things yeah. of that nature. So do I believe in taking money that, can, that the police is now using and giving that to social workers and other folks who are more appropriate to deal with the issues and not have our police go after every single issue? Yes, I do believe in that. But I, don't, I can tell you right now, I've lived in Mattapan my whole life. Yeah. I want a very good police officer in my district. I want my folks to still be able to call the police and say, come here and deal with this domestic violence issue. Absolutely. Deal with these shootings. Yep. I mean, there, there are functions that are still police functions that I still need a good police officer to come and solve. I do not want my folks, even with this fireworks issue, I do not want one of my neighbors going to another neighbor having a discussion about their fireworks because that turns into something that can become very confrontational. confrontational. So there are police duties. So I don't want to take everything from the police. I just think that there are some funds that should be definitely taken from the police and given to folks that are more appropriate for different services. So it's almost reallocation. That's what I believe in. You believe that we should almost reallocate... As, not almost. I think we should reallocate we should. some funds that are now um, going to the police into some different services. Okay. That is different than defunding funding the police. Okay. So you believe in reallocating the funds that cur- uh, the police officers currently have? Yeah, right of course. So what's your opinion on William Gross? I think uh, the commissioner made a mistake... With, um, with his shot or his video or his uh, picture. Oh, with The photo uh, op. The photo op. Uh, I, I was in the discussion of black men on Saturday. He gave his perspective. I think the other black men in the room gave theirs. And even after that discussion, I still believe uh, he got played. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I think that um, he's not a politician. Correct. And he was dealing with one of the best politicians in the country. And so... I, as a politician, would know to never be in the same room with this gentleman, yep. well, this, with this man. Yep. And uh, if I was, it would be staged very much. You can take a picture as I'm sitting here man-to-man having a conversation, which you can have this picture yeah, I as, we, as we are talking about you are the, the leading law enforcement person in this country and we're here to deal with business. You're not going to get a photo op with me. And so uh, I know the commissioner said that he unfortunately had told him he can't share that picture, but that picture was given out before he, I think, Marty was even off the stage. He got played. He got played. Yes. It, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's not a politician, and so I would not expect him to be a politician. Oh, okay. All right. So in general, though, are you, do you feel like he's doing a good job? I do. 
I mean, I think uh, lots of folks ask the question about what's the right metric. The right metric is, are my streets safer? For mm-hmm. me, that is what's most important to me. We're a long way from being a city that would have 150 murders. We're way down under 50 as long as we can continue to drive that down and have a good relationship between our police and our community. So we picket and protest yep. on many things, but those are typically not things here in Boston. We're protesting around activities that have happened around the rest of the country. And so I think Commissioner Gross is very passionate about making sure the police is um, appropriate in our communities. So we're going to jump into some questions that we have from the users. But is there something right now that you're not satisfied or you're not happy? What's one change that you would like to see in the city right now, especially, with, especially within the politicians? There are hundreds of changes that I would like to see. So I can tell you something that annoys me right now. It annoys me that we've made no decision about cleaning our streets. You said cleaning? Cleaning our streets. Mm. It annoys me that when I walk down my streets, my streets are filthy. Right here in Mattapan Square is crazy. Because of the fact that we are trying to still make some provisions to make because people are all at home and you can't park. and We don't want to force people to move their cars. But at some point, we have to make sure we clean up our streets. Our our streets are filthy. And so, I mean, but I can just go, I can enumerate many, many things that I would change if I were mayor. But I'm not mayor. I have a different role. My mm-hmm. job and my current role is to make sure the city gets the resources it needs. I know a lot of people are not too satisfied with Mayor Marty Walsh. Would you ever want to go in that position yourself? I have a plan politically that goes into age 55, meaning I'm 50 now in five years. I've been encouraged um, very often to run for governor or mayor. I'll consider that and on my plan unless the Lord changes it and says, I think you, I want you to go sooner. But my wife retires in five years, and we'll be where we want to be financially in five years, where I can take a risk of that magnitude of mayor for governor. And I would say at 55 is also just a great age, middle of life, that I have, I think, the breadth of experience that's important to be the executive of the Commonwealth or the city. That was a good political answer, my man. I love that. I love that. (laughs) How about the truth? truth. I love that right there. So what I'm going to do, I am going to share some of the questions that we got from people in the streets. Sure. Just put it in the mic. Um, Give it to him. And let me tell you something else. I tell you something else I'm very annoyed by. I grew up in this in this square. I have never in my life in 50 years. This is this is I've never seen what I just saw. I just saw six ladies sitting on this bench in front of my bank that I grew up with when it was Shelman, out here like they're dudes sitting here drinking on this bench. Mm. I've never seen that before in my life, where you have six senior ladies just hanging out like that. So I'm disappointed that, that, that we've gotten to that point, um, that that's happening right in the heart of Mattapan Square. Well, we're ta- if you really look at it, we're dealing with, a, I believe, which is going to be the next epidemic, is a huge epidemic, which is mental health and emotional yep. wellness. Yep. Specifically... For black and brown people, sure. we're, we're, dealing, we're dealing with a lot of different issues, traumas, triggers, everything to that capacity. And we're dealing with it with alcohol and drugs. That's our coping mechanisms yeah. right now, alcohol, drugs, and violence, yeah. right? That's our coping, yeah. our coping mechanism. So obviously the whole program that we're trying to do is stress less so we can help people achieve success. But I always want to challenge and figure out what are different ways that 
we can help people to mitigate or decrease that stress, whether it's through policies, yeah. um, bringing people together, whether it's police and communities, bringing more organizations together. One issue I believe we have in Boston, we have too many damn nonprofits. Yeah. <laughs> They're splitting the funds. They're all working separately. That That's just more of a personal note. I'll get into that sure, another sure. day in time. But... I, I do like what you're saying is that you do. It, it's disheartening to see that's going on in our community. And um, but but I can tell you the phone calls I get. I know you have some questions, but the phone calls I get, some of them right now, into my mental health. I've literally this week at the state house gotten phone calls where people are literally screaming at my phone and the message yeah. saying, you know, this is happening, this is happening, and they're screaming, "Please come help me!" And and so I can I can feel the mental stress. And trauma happening, and it is depressing. It is depressing. Oh, all right. I'm gonna pass you the phone and let you um, just press play on some of the questions we got from people in the street. So, as a Lexington student, I would like to ask: How can we make, you know, like schools better so that people can get a better education? So, the first question is: How can I make schools better so that folks can get a better education? At the state level, um, we are very serious about this. Um, we are essentially asking for another billion and a half dollars over the next seven years to go primarily to the ten, uh, the bottom, what we call the bottom ten, the ten percent of the schools in this commonwealth that are doing the worst. And so that is obviously you would know the Boston's, the Springfields, the Holyoke, the Lawrence, the Lowell's, and um, we are looking for something called the Student Opportunity Act to be fully funded. Is what we called it. And uh, we're going to begin by getting the money to these neighborhoods that we think are important. So you don't have, do you have a big opinion versus um, public schools and charter schools? So I'm a state rep, which means that every student is mine. Mm, Whether or not okay. they're in a charter, public, parochial, pilot, all of them, I'm responsible for in some way or another in the budget. And I want all of my families to have an opportunity to make a choice. There are families today in my neighborhood who are choosing. I like Meco for one student. Yeah. I like Charter for another school. And I like Public for another. There are reasons for that. Like if you're going to go to a public school and you have an IEP, that's probably where you get the most amount of resources. But if you have a superstar student, you might want that student in a Meco or in a Charter. And so you might have that happening in your own family. And so I don't pull any of these families apart because some of them are literally making that decision for each one of their children. But don't we think, though, there's an issue? Think about it, right? Statistics show how MECO kids are graduating college at a higher rate. No, they're not. I, I think I could pull out the research. So I can tell you when I came in, um, I demanded that MECO give me the numbers. Uh-huh. They were not giving us the numbers before so, yes, they are graduating at a higher rate, but not the rate that I think is worth pulling my neighborhood, my kids out of their neighborhoods every single, every single day. Here's what I mean. If I had that parent uh -huh. that is going out to Weston, going out to Wellesley and all these other places, spending all of that time dedicated to their kids in my own BPS system, my BPS system would be better. Because so much of the effort is the parent. So you're taking the, you're creaming. You're taking my best students. You're taking my best parents. When I say best, meaning most involved. Not everyone is equal. You're taking the students that are most involved, and you're taking them out to another system. Pull that student back into my own school system that would then encourage the other students in my school system to do better. And so um, Millie's doing a great job of making that system much more fair because it used to be created not by randomness. If everyone goes to Metco, you can make a phone call and get hooked up and get your next parent to go to, be able to go to Metco. 
that was also the creaming of you would then take the more affluent black kids instead of the poor black kids. Okay, but you don't think there's an issue that education's based off a waiting list? No, I, I'm saying to you, um, what we have to do is make a, a great school in every neighborhood. And I can tell you, I know we'll probably run out of time, but when we went through this process for the public school, we used my address, 80 Goodell Road, put it into their system and said, this is what I have for opportunities in my school district. All right, all this right. is unacceptable. I want better schools in my neighborhood. Okay, I, I know I'm big on the education, so I, I get No problem. It's a good one. Um, let, let me pull up the next video for you. All right, um, why there's no better quality restaurants down the way, better food and whatnot, instead of fast food and all that? Okay, so his next question was about why there are no quality restaurants in Mattapan. <laughs> let me tell you. No, let me just tell you. This is something that I've been working on for almost 20 years. I can't force a restaurant into my neighborhood. I cannot force a store to come into here. This is all private business. But Ayanna Presley, myself, and others, we said, well, one of the primary drivers for a restaurant is the liquor license. Yeah. Because that's yeah. where truly the money is made. Yeah. So literally, we, we crafted a plan to get 50 liquor licenses, all with the intention of trying to get a liquor license into Mattapan and to uh, certain other areas here in Dorchester and the like. And we said these liquor licenses will come at a reduced price. So instead of you going on the open market paying $300,000, you can get this liquor license for, I think it was $5,000 or $10,000. And so we marketed hard, Mattapan, mm-hmm. um, and other neighborhoods. But I'm Mattapan. I was yeah, most yeah. focused on Mattapan. And we did not get one application. All 50 licenses went to other places, knowing that this whole goal was to target and get a reduced-price liquor license with a restaurant attached to Mattapan Square. And I even made phone calls to people who were business owners, who were people of color, and say, how about considering this liquor license over the Mattapan? So we're going to still consider it again. And this time, we're going to lock in those licenses. We're going to say, if, we don't, if we're expecting five licenses for Mattapan Square and no one applies for them, all we're going to do is say, you can't have them across the rest of the city. It is one of the most serious problems I think we have. I mean, everything feels like it's about to change because there's certain talks that Mattapan's about to get gentrified. Well, I can tell you, if you watch my... Uh, press conference yesterday with the governor. Okay. This was the thing that I spent the most amount of time on. The fact that some, somehow, when I bring a brand new train station, when I bring <laughs> a brand new development all over this, over the Mattapan, people say, well, you're doing this for white people. Mm. I'm a district that is 92% of color, 7 out of 10 people in my district are black. I grew up in this district. Why would I be fighting for other people? So, don't sell your house. Because you don't have to be gentrified. Stay home. Stay here. Nobody's forcing you to leave. Okay. And um, my rule is, I'm not very picky. I just want the best. Just want the best. Just want the best. That's okay. all I want. And that's nope. what we deserve in my neighborhood. I love it. I love it. Let's go to the next video. Let me give you the next video. I like your passion. Um, so my question for you is, um, what is one way that you think could be um, it would be a way for the police force to not use extensive forces or rules on the public community so all together our community can be both healthy and safe so his question was how can we have it so that the police force does not use uh, weapons and things of that nature against our communities I can tell you right now one of the top 10 items that I talked about before was one of those points was something called use of force. We believe 
that we should not have militarized vehicles and uh, weapons here in this in the city. Mm-hmm. We believe that you should not have tactics such as chokeholds and things of that nature used uh, by our police. And we plan on passing that law before July 31st. Not only do we plan on passing the police officer standard and training law that I told you about, about decertification, we plan on having in that law use of force, which is what this gentleman was talking about. And we plan on also having in that bill, by July 31st, we plan on having some reforms or conversations around what to do about civil service and hiring. Those are three things that I can tell you we absolutely want to have. And the fourth one is a commission that I've been trying to get for around structural racism Mm. because people don't end up in prison and just happen to be there. (laughs) It is all the structural, racist, white supremacist things that happen all along the way that end, that, that end up having them in, in prisons, and we want to look at that. That bill was primarily written, almost all written, by a group called the AACC, with uh-huh. Fuquan and his team, and, and the MCI Norfolk. I go there monthly, and they uh, have a legislative agenda that they work on with me. And I literally basically let them write that bill, made no edits, gave it to House Counsel, and submitted the bill. Impressive. Impressive. Thank you. Man, this was a great first conversation um, first, I want to say me. thank you for being our first guest on our very first episode. Well, thank and you. And being able to have the knowledge and go back and forth and honestly enlighten me on things I wasn't aware of. Sure. I definitely I, thank appreciate you. that. I honestly think we like to wrap it up with the uh, idea of what we call food for thought, right? Okay. And my belief, just even having this conversation, is that more conversations like this needs to be had. Sure. One thing to talk to people that are just like you, that are from your same skill set, same profession, and you have that same level of energy. But I do believe growth comes when we talk to people who are outside of our circle. Of course. So being able to have this, con- I'm not a politician, right? Yeah. Yep. I've been in the streets doing some of the protests. I've been in the community homes doing A, B, C, and D. But being able to sit down with you and have this level of conversation reinforces the idea of who am I talking to? Who are we talking to? How can we sit down at the table and literally have these type of thoughts so we can both get to the next level? Because yeah. I guarantee you, we both have similar goals that we want for our communities. Agreed. I appreciate that. No, thank you for listening to me and having me a part of the conversation. I appreciate that. So I think that's going to be a wrap today with our very first episode, Politicking with New Shine. Um, we're here with Russell Lee Holmes, myself, Kurt Faustin, and uh, be prepared for the next one. If you are hoping to connect with us, then check us out online at www.newshinestudios.com. Also, subscribe at New Shine Studios or follow us at New Shine Studios. I'ma get it on my time. Politicking on my time. I'ma get it on my time.